Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring some light to your eating disorder recovery journey. In this episode, I am joined by Dr. Christina, who is a doctor who's really recovered from an eating disorder. And she talks about the real life struggles with food, body image and weight. And in this episode, we talk together about how to recover from an eating disorder whilst in a romantic relationship and the best ways to cope with it and maintain the romance and connection that you have with your partner. So I really hope this episode is helpful. I know for myself, when I was going through my own eating disorder, it was incredibly hard to have a romantic relationship, but there were many things that I could have done at the time to make it a little bit easier. And so my partner understood better, but I will dive right into the episode today. And I just hope that you find it useful as always. I invite you to share anything with me um, via email info at Flourish with Keandra if you do have any questions based on the podcast or this episode. I am always here for every single one of you if you need anything. But for now, we will get on to the episode. I'm really excited for this topic because I think we don't talk about it enough. I don't know your thoughts on that, but do you talk often with people or is this something that I think is kind of under the radar? I think people are scared to talk about it because it's kind of taboo. Obviously, with mental health and eating disorders, within the last, I suppose, five to 10 years, they have become a lot more open and people have started to talk a lot more about them. But I still think within romantic relationships or dating spheres, it's a very much unspoken topic. And I think it's because people are scared to know where to start. You know, when you're talking about dating and when you're talking about relationships, it's very much intimacy, what you should be doing, a lot of unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. And then mental health is like a kind of a forgotten topic. Uh, and, and that's why when I've talked about it with, I suppose, clients that I've worked with or, or just with others to try and raise awareness, I've had so much, I suppose, positive comments because people have been like, wow we don't talk about this. This is such useful information, which makes me think, do we talk about it enough? And I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it comes um, a lot too, when I work with clients, and I'd like to kind of get back a little bit to, you know, your background and the kind of clients you do work with. But I think it's something that people feel a lot of shame about, and people don't want to bring up, especially in the context of intimate relationships. There's it's something they feel very ashamed of, and they want to hide you know, from everybody, but especially from somebody, maybe they're just meeting and trying to impress on a date, or, you know, it's just something that they even maybe want to hide from themselves. And so it's not something that, you know, they're out there going like, Hey, you know, I'm going to talk about how this is affecting my life right now. In this context, it's more of a very individualized thing talking about um, their more day-to-day personal life and how, you know, their eating disorder thoughts are affecting them, um, their individual choices with them waking up and how they choose their entire day, like in terms of if they exercise or what they choose to eat, but the very specific part of eating and what that all entails. Um, I think we do need to talk about it because look, (laughs) when you, when you're dating somebody, a lot of the dates, are going out to dinner. It's going out to grab something to eat. So it's very much, well, it's, I mean, that's part of it, but it's also like, what are you going to wear? You're trying to 
find clothes and that can oftentimes be very stressful. So there's a whole bunch of components, you know, and then you go down the line further, if you're getting intimate with somebody, body image and sex and all of this, it's very, very important to talk about. Definitely. And I have a background of of eating disorders myself. You know, I I had anorexia for over 10 years of my life. And, you know, I know firsthand how it feels like to be dating with an eating disorder. And that's why now I'm recovered and I work with clients to coach them and help them with their recovery, that I also want to guide them in such an important part of their life. Because a lot of these women and men are navigating their romantic relationships, be that when they're just going into dating as a young age or even older in life when they're trying to navigate marriage, you know, kids and keeping intimacy alive, which is hard in itself if you don't have an eating disorder. So I think these conversations are integral to, to you know, to life. You know, re- relationships aren't everything, but they're a very important mm-hmm. aspect of life and, and, and therefore recovery. So I I would say, I mean, to start off talking about the ways that eating disorders affect, you know, dating and and relationships, I think one of the biggest things for me is emotional health. When you are, depending on an eating disorder, you know, obviously we go to the, the restrictive type whereby you're not getting enough nutrition to be able to regulate your emotions, you're low, you're depressed. It even impacts further down the line biology you know your sex drive you know and then these are things that are important parts of relationship you know restrictive eating disorders affect everything not just emotionally but also biologically so a lot of the time when it comes to relationships people don't want to have them or when they do they're confused with their feelings and do they actually like this person or is it because they're restricted from nutrition that they don't know how to feel mm-hmm. on the other spectrum you know when you're looking at binge purge bulimia a lot of it comes down to secrecy and therefore secrecy within a relationship can affect one's mental well-being and emotional health because there's a feeling of guilt lying secrecy not being their true self so I think that's first and foremost what I think is one of the biggest components of it which therefore affects everything else you know your emotional health and your behavior kind of go hand in hand and following on from that it has such an impact on behavior like you said earlier on you know how many of us surround our dates by food you know they're the main component like Mm -hmm. I can imagine when you've dated you know you go out for dinner you go out for pizza or you just Mm -hmm. have something where food is a big part of it and whether you are a restrictive have a restricted eating disorder or on the bulimia binge eating any spectrum there's a whole host it's going to affect you going out for food in one way or the other and navigating that with an eating disorder can be incredibly hard when you're not being open with the person you're dating mm-hmm. but, you know I don't I don't know if you have anything to add to, to that yeah I love what you said about you know the secrecy part and not being your true self because how can you form intimacy, you know, an emotional intimacy with somebody if you're hiding this big part of yourself um, and you have so much shame? I just love that you brought that up because think about that, you know, and I, I, I too, like you, I had my eating disorder for years and I wasn't even connected to myself, right? I wasn't being honest with myself about who I was or what I wanted or anything. And so like, are you even ready to have a romantic, intimate relationship with somebody if, you're at the point where so much of your life is 
revolving around like hiding the things you're doing and, you know, hiding those things even from yourself, because what you're really doing with your eating disorder is you're avoiding a lot of your own feelings. You're avoiding a lot of your own pain. You're trying to numb out. And so just from my own experience, until you really get to figuring out what's so painful or why the eating disorder is in your life. And, you know, in my words, like breaking up with Ed per se, like you really can't have the space and the ability to have a true um, intimate relationship with another person. And, you know, maybe somebody listening is going, oh, come on, like, (laughs) that's not right. But, you know, just really think about that. That's really difficult if you're not in a relationship already to start one when you are really knee deep in an eating disorder. And there's a couple of things I'll draw upon from what you said. It's like breaking up with Ed, you know, breaking up with your eating disorder. It's like, well, you're kind of cheating on the person that you're seeing, you know, because it's like you're already in a relationship with this horrible eating disorder. It's like an abusive relationship within you. And also the other aspect of, I know what people always say and kind of cringe about, but it's you can't have a deep connected relationship until you fully love yourself. And this is why I want to stress is, yes, you can have relationships, but they might be very surface level. They might be abusive. You might be throwing yourself in a fire because of the way you feel. Mm -hmm. And I can take that from experience. You know, like I had many relationships whilst I was ill and then they weren't good and they weren't fully connected. and, And hence, I am not with those people now. It took me getting to a point of actual true acceptance to be in a a healthy, connected, long-term relationship. And that being said, there are problems, you know, like within humans, there's not saying once you recover from your eating disorder, it's never going to be any problems with your relationship. That would be, <laughs> that would be incredible, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, it's about your ability to connect emotionally develops. And therefore when you navigate through problems in relationship, it's relationships, you don't use your eating disorder to number one, control that, or number two, take it out on yourself mm-hmm. you know and, and I think that that can be also I suppose an aspect that goes further down the line is once you're dating and if it doesn't go well you then relapse or you say oh no but it's my fault mm-hmm. it's because you know it's because of x y and z and then you use your eating disorder as a punishment set per se it's a very like tricky line to navigate that being said ways that partners can help within recovery you know, you want to move along that line. So like, it's about patience as well. So talking about things like sex drive and, and your biology. Right now, if you're dating somebody, it might not be the ideal, you know, you might not be having that intimate connection. But I suppose it's being able to support someone with their help, you know, so it's about the individual needs to get to a point where they're able to ask for help. Mm-hmm. The secrecy is the line that needs to be broken and drawn upon because with secrecy comes a surface level relationship, guilt, shame, hiding their true self. So therefore recovery is, it's not even an option, you know, because you're not letting somebody in. And that's why I think dating somebody with an eating disorder is so hard if you've not truly accepted that you need help. Well, that's true. I think there's two things to that one if you're dating somebody and they have no idea you have an eating disorder a lot of the things that are going on in the relationship they might go what is going on and so letting them in is really necessary like you said you have to break the secrecy because some of the behaviors that go on to the outside person you know the outside world might seem they might take it personally so like you said the intimacy right like if you have an eating disorder you're feeling really bad about your body and you're 
constantly like rejecting physical affection, right? Or fear eating disorders that like, I have to make sure I work out like, you know, for this many hours a day or something. And like, you're not sleeping over the person's house because you have to make sure you get up at like four in the morning to go work out or something like, and they're not understanding. They're feeling like it's a rejection of them, but it's really your eating disorder behavior. Like if they don't understand and you're just doing these things and they're taking it as like, oh my gosh, like they don't like me, what's going on. You're acting like this certain way. It is important to say, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is why I'm doing these things. Because then there can be a level of understanding of like, oh, this is part of your illness. This is what's going on. It's not me, (laughs) right? Because like you said, to be able to support the person and say, okay, how can I help you work through this? Like, I really want to have a level of intimacy with you. Is there something I can do or say? Is there a way, you know, I can support you so that maybe you don't feel compelled to have to go do that? every day, or if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body or intimacy is hard, can we talk it through instead of you just rejecting me? And I don't know why, or there's, there's ways exactly like you said, for people to actually work together. If, if it's the right person, I think they'll be open to supporting you. Um, But again, it's up to you to open up and be vulnerable, which is scary. It's really scary. Yeah. And a couple of the clients that I've worked with quite recently, have expressed that feeling of of shame that they need help you know it's like well I don't feel I wish I could just do it myself I don't need any anyone's help it's about taking it's about allowing somebody in you know it's about like being vulnerable relationships about being vulnerable and then adding another layer is just mind-blowing to somebody with an eating disorder but once you've taken off, I suppose, that plaster and, and told somebody that you're dating or even told somebody that you're already in a romantic relationship with, from the other side, what the individual, what the partner can do to help. I mean, there's there's five main things that I know that can help support somebody with an eating disorder if you are their partner. And I think the first being get help yourself. It's very emotionally draining. You are confused. Let's say even if you're in the early stage of dating and you feel like you're being offloaded with somebody's issues and somebody's issues around food and maybe navigating things. And also that constant walking on eggshells that they're going to say something or do something wrong can put another layer of anxiety in the relationship. So I think first and foremost, it's, you know, make sure you're both getting individual help and not just using the relationship as the soundboard so I think that's the first thing secondly it's about using positive language and that's not necessarily just positive language around food and body it's also around I believe that you can recover I trust in you I give you like I have hope in this because I think so many individuals have expressed that real sadness when somebody's given up on them and saying I don't understand you you're never going to recover cover you know kind of that dismissive language people then close down Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's about using positive helpful compassionate language even if they don't understand you know like it's very hard for somebody to understand if they haven't really been through it themselves Mm -hmm. and that's okay you know I understand that from my own perspective like from the people that I was dating i expected them to understand it completely I was like why do you not understand this it feels so real for me Mm -hmm. as I got older and when I started developing coping strategies and understanding myself I was like you know what I don't even understand this so why should you so I think there's ways that that you can talk and use compassionate language and that moves on to then learning about eating disorders so that would be the third thing it's about 
learning about your loved one's eating disorder, whatever it be, you know, you even go to the spectrums of ARFID. There's so many different types and they all have such specific requirements and symptoms that you can spot for, you know, Mm -hmm. let's say, let's use the example of a restrictive eating disorder. If you notice that, you know, the person you're dating or your loved one is starting to be secretive around food, is starting to be, you know, a bit sketchy about when they've eaten or what they're going to eat, you can then start to kind of put things in place to to help them open up. So if you learn and know everything about an eating disorder, it can give you a good grounding for helping your Mm -hmm. your partner or the person you're dating. And not enough people do it. I don't know about your experience when you were unwell, but I can imagine that you've experienced some times where people have just not understood. Oh my gosh. And, and I think that is so key because like you said, people don't understand it and it is a little bit, you know, for somebody who doesn't have one, they just like, why, how is that, that triggering what I just said or what I did? So really understanding some of the nuances of like, when you make a comment on what somebody's eating, especially at like at a restaurant or something that can be very triggering and, you know, understanding maybe the person you're dating, like stops eating or gets really quiet. Or if you say something like, wow, you look really healthy, you know, that can be a really big trigger. And, you know, to the outside person, that sounds insane. <laughs> like, why is that like a trigger that that's a compliment, but to somebody with an eating disorder, like I know myself, I was like, oh my gosh, if somebody said that I was in a tailspin or to your point, if you notice, like every time you go out to eat, and then they are in the restaurant restroom for like, a little bit longer than normal, that could be a sign like, what are they doing in there? Um, If they're, you know, purging or something, or just, again, noticing some little behaviors, like, are they really eating what's on their plate? Are they just cutting it up and like moving it around their plate? You know, (laughs) again, just little behaviors, but also learning, like I said, their trigger words or things that you say just to be sensitive about, because I think there's a lot of words that people say that they think, nothing about, but talking about diets, talking about weight loss, talking about other people's appearances, all that kind of stuff can be really hard for somebody when they have an eating disorder to hear. I think there's an aspect of that, of the actual individual with an eating disorder needs to be open enough to tell their partner what affects them because your partner's not a mind reader and what might affect me might not affect you. You know, like each disorder is very individual. I'd say you can definitely get a good grounding from pages like ours on Instagram helpful information charities and just the internet in general when you look in the right places very helpful information but actually talking to your loved one being like you can talk to me I'm not going to judge you please let me know what you need and how I can support you that's be my fourth thing it's starting that conversation having that open communication of you know I'm really struggling today can we like go out to a safe place to eat or can we just do something else or or can you help me? Or can we just talk about this? And having that open communication there and that trust is the bedrock for a relationship. And without that, you're kind of destined to fail, you know, because you need communication is the the key to any successful long-term relationship, especially if you're recovering from an eating disorder. Oh, I think that's exactly. And I think that's a big part of it too, is, you know, I work with clients too, and I tell them, you know, one big part I think is getting your voice back is being able to tell your loved ones or especially maybe somebody you're dating, hey, these are the things that impact me. These are the things that really affect me. And that's a hard thing to be assertive and to open up and ask for what you need or really say, even have that awareness. Oh my gosh, this is this is how this word or these 
situations or whatever affect me? Could you please, you know, try to be sensitive or aware of these things? That's a huge step in being able to communicate that, I think, in getting better. And then to be with a really loving, supportive partner who acknowledges that and does something to support you in that, I think that's amazing. That would be amazing, right? But I think to, you know, to have a loving, supportive partner, again, if you're able to communicate that to them and say, these are my triggers, so to say, they can really support you out in public events or parties or situations where let's say they know, oh gosh, you know, whenever diet talk comes up or weight loss talk comes up or people start talking about calories or food, like let's say at Thanksgiving dinner, say, maybe they can be your support person. Maybe you don't have the strength to do it in a big group, but maybe they can try to like veer the conversation another way, knowing like, oh gosh, here we go. This is really going to be hard for you, right? Okay. I'm going to be here to try to protect and support you. And like, Hey guys, let's talk about something else or try to get you out of that situation if it's possible. Definitely. I think there is, there is so much more that can be done by individuals and by awareness to help bring knowledge to people about this you know these are very unspoken topics but there is certainly things you can do and and this information doesn't just apply to romantic relationships you know a lot of it applies to friendships as well you know making friendships so I suppose with friendships there's that lack of intimacy there so there's one one step removed but there is still the thing about open communication understanding eating disorders a lot of this information mm-hmm. applies to workplaces can apply to family friends I think this is valid and very useful tools that people can take and go okay I can use this and even if you're not with somebody with an eating disorder or or I suppose any mental health condition you know it's very useful to understand because you might be you might be supporting somebody with an eating disorder in the future so it's about arming yourself with knowledge and tools to help yourself and to help others I think is really really important and it it just takes a little bit of self-awareness and an ability to ask for help as well as a person without an eating disorder you know a partner being like I need help too you know and that's also they have to be vulnerable they may have their egos up and go I can do this myself you know I don't need anyone I take that from experience it's like but then they can take it out on you so it's about making sure that everyone has the support and the knowledge that they they need I think absolutely and so um, did you get to the five? I know you said the, four, the communication. Yeah, the last one, the fifth one is about, I suppose, showering them with love. Mm. I think, you know, again, it links to a lot of it, but love and love doesn't necessarily have to be romantic love, but love rules the world and we all need a bit of love and compassion and support and, and feeling like somebody cares, you know, and that can be, again, romantic or non-romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Just that knowing they're not going to leave me because I'm not average. I'm not normal. I'm struggling. They're, they're going to still love me no matter what. And it's also knowing that somebody will love you no matter what you look like. I think that's very important for an individual to know because if you don't, if you have that expectation or that, I suppose, I'll only love you if you look a certain way or I only love you like this, people can feel very restrictive and it can fuel or keep an eating disorder there. So it's about, if at all possible, try and remove that expectation around appearance, around weight, around eating styles. Those five are very, very important. So it's all about communication and conversations, love, getting help yourself, mm-hmm. support, and and just being able to kind of, yeah, gu- guide each other through it. No, I, th- I love those five. <laughs> I love that you're talking about like both partners parts and what 
they can do when they're in a relationship with each other. Because I think there can be this tendency to just put all of the focus on the person who has the eating disorder. Like, what do they need to do? What's their part? Like, and it just go both ways. hundred percent. That's a relationship for you. If it was, you know, that otherwise you have that codependency. Okay. The person with the eating disorder, they have a, a real issue that needs to be solved. And, mm-hmm. but it comes from both parties somebody has to take responsibility for their own issues, but the other person also has to take responsibility by the way that they act on those issues. So I'm curious for you, like looking back at those times where you were dating and you had your eating disorder, did anybody pick up on anything or was it just something you kept hidden? I think I was always very much like, oh, I had an eating disorder, I'm recovered now. Mm. But I wasn't, you know, and I think I'd put this like front on I'm recovered. I'm out of hospital. Everything's fine. But they always would know that I was a little bit odd around food. Mm. And I just made it, you know, I was very secretive. I didn't spend a lot of time with my, my intimate partners. I'd be like doing things and then leaving because I needed to go and eat or I needed to exercise or I needed to do my special routine, whatever I had back then, God knows. I think the only reason that I'm in a successful, healthy, long-term relationship now is because I actually have got to a point where I can call myself recovered and I navigate things with a healthy mind. You know, it's taken time, it's taken years, and it's taken mm-hmm. me being honest with myself and and really looking at myself in the mirror and going, yeah, you're not recovered. But that was hard and I had to be vulnerable. And it all comes down to your strength in asking for help and knowing that recovery is a journey. And it's not a race. Right. And so are relationships. They're they're not races, they're journeys. And if you can support each other on that journey, it will be a very long, happy and loving one. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm so glad for you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad for you. You were able to get to that point and, you know, really connect with somebody and have something long term and successful. What about yourself? What what are your own experiences? navigating relationships with with your eating disorder yeah I think I hid you know when I was much younger obviously um I I hid so many things there wasn't a lot known about eating disorders really and so I didn't even know a lot about what I was doing myself I just thought I was failing at dieting so I didn't even know you know for the longest time I just was like oh I'm trying a new diet I need to go work out. I didn't really have even a label for it. I didn't know how really sick I was for the longest time. So, you know, looking back, obviously I wasn't it, but yeah, it impacted everything. My goodness. Didn't even really know myself. So I was, like you said, a lot of my life revolved around the rituals and the routines and the things I had to do. And so if my whole world revolved around that, like how could I possibly create a life with somebody else? (laughs) They weren't going to fit into my eating disorder life, right? It was just not going to work. Yeah, they weren't a component in the relationship. It was mm-hmm. your eating disorder or no one. It was exhausting, right? Trying to fit. It was the people pleasing. I was trying to please them. I was trying to please the eating disorder. I was like trying to be everything to everybody. And in my mind, I was just failing at everything, right? So Ed was just like telling me, you're not good enough. You're not doing this enough. <laughs> awful. Yeah. I mean, I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how exhausting. Ugh. And yeah. you wouldn't push it on anyone, but, you know, we're two examples that you can move through that and you can navigate through that. And I'm sure it's taken you jumping over hurdles and ducking under things and <laughs> just looking at yourself in the mirror and going, okay, I need to deal with this or I need to navigate this better and, and asking for help. So thank you for also sharing your side. We've both got similar experiences, mm-hmm. but 
you know, probably wildly different at the same time. Yeah. I think back to like how many times I dreaded like, oh gosh, where are we going to eat? I don't know what's on the menu. <laughs> you know, it just would be a nightmare. It'd be so scary sometimes or like so many things I think back to and just think, gosh, you know, that was very stressful. So much of it. Or gosh, like is something going to fit tonight? Like going and getting dressed. It's like, what am I going to wear? And trying on like 20 different outfits. <laughs> just so much stress and pressure. For anyone listening, you know, it's recovery is well worth the journey. Like you said, it's not a direct shot to like, it's not fast and it's not this linear, you know, once you decide I'm going to recover, it's not like, okay, in you know, five sessions or five weeks, it's over. It's, it is a journey, but it's so well worth it. So worth it. And it's being patient with it and allowing yourself to to fall and, and pick yourself up again. And your partner, your, or who you're dating can be a, an element in that if they're willing to also learn and support you and help to pick you up as well. Mm -hmm. And a note to that, if they aren't willing to, that's very telling as well. And don't blame yourself and say, Oh, it's me. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm, you know, damaged. You know, it is, I'm not good enough. They left me because I told them no, if anyone gets in your way of recovery and they leave you because you open up and you're vulnerable and you choose yourself and you choose recovery, that's not your person. The people you want in your life, the people that will support you in the hardest times. And then there'll be hard times not related to your eating disorder. That's mm-hmm. just life. And you want somebody that you can trust at your most vulnerable times and your, yeah, your weakest times that you can mm-hmm. be vulnerable and ask for help. And if somebody's not showing signs that they're willing to do that, then maybe you should just have a think about the the people that you want in your life. And that goes for friendships as well. Mm-hmm. I know I really appreciate, like I said, you opening up and sharing these things. I think they're great. It's great information for people out there. I think lots of people listening probably can definitely relate. Um, You know, people are trying to form relationships and probably out there dating and struggling. Um, Any, do you have any final words or anything you want to say? I think it's okay to not be okay as well. It's not going to be a straight line. And when you're dating, it might feel really scary, but there are, there are resources out there. We've, we've talked about it on this podcast and I'm sure like we can both be open to speaking through social media DMs and, and just support in general. If you have any you know, further questions on this topic, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that we haven't covered. It's such a broad mm-hmm. spectrum, but the information shared today was as concise and I hope you know that you've got something from it and good luck their relationships can be the most beautiful things in the world so I hope that you are able to flourish both physically mentally and romantically mm-hmm. in the coming in the coming future yeah. so yeah thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to talk with you today about this topic I think it's been really nice to being able to share it so thank you Yeah, thank you. I love talking to you about this topic. And I know it was a long time us uh, trying to get together to make this happen. So for my listeners, if anyone does want to find you and learn more about all the work you're doing, how can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Flourish with Keandra. And my website again is flourishwithkeandra.com. I'm sure you'll be able to leave kind of my details in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find me there have a lot of infographics about these kind of topics so if you, if you are interested it would be amazing to, for you to check them out likewise you have such good information on on your instagram and social media and website too christina so we've got a whole host of information out there for you guys so yeah thank you again thank you